Let's begin with meditation. So just let your body find a comfortable posture where you feel lifted up. Your back is stretched, kind of stretch your backs out, lift them. Maybe roll your shoulders back. Let your hands just rest comfortably in your lap. They can be. And if you are comfortable closing your eyes during meditation, that's usually what we do. That's our tradition here. Take a few, just one or two deep breaths in and out. Just to let your body know you're changing your activity. You want your mind and your physical body to all be in the same place, right in the present moment. focus of your attention should be on your breath. We can usually best use just the area just below your nostrils to feel very subtly the breath. You can also use your belly. Just be aware of the belly as it As you inhale, the belly extends out a little. As you exhale, it contracts. Pick one of those spots around your nostrils where where it's more subtle or, or, or just imagining your hand touching your belly and noticing the movement as you breathe. Whenever you get distracted, you can remember at some point to come back to the breath. And that's a beautiful moment in your meditation because you're beginning to uh, work with the breath. We'll begin with loving kindness, and then we'll just do breathing. Send good thoughts to yourself. We always begin loving kindness with ourselves, developing a friendship, with ourselves. 
And this is really important. So we send the same good wishes to ourselves. These wishes are blessing ourselves with good qualities, things that we want in our life. Not material things, but things we want for a good life. May I be well. May I feel safe in the world. May I be content. May I know happiness and joy. And may I live in peace. You can think of the phrases that are most meaningful to you. Create your own phrases. But stay with yourself right now. Say those phrases to yourself. May I be well. May I feel safe. May I be content. May I know happiness and joy. May I live in peace. Now send these same blessings to your loved ones. Include your family members, your dear friends. It's the people you're closest to in your world. Even if we're maybe upset with the, our loved ones, or disappointed in something that's happened. When we know that we love people, it's easy to send blessings to them, to send good wishes. May my loved ones be well. May they be content. May they know happiness and joy. May they feel safe in the world. And 
and may they be at peace. Now just let these same blessings, these same good wishes, just radiate out from you, out to all living beings, human and non-human, visible and invisible. May all beings be free from suffering and the causes of suffering, free from fear, worry, anxiety, free from hunger and thirst. Free from danger. May all beings be able to care for themselves or be cared for lovingly by others. And may all beings live in peace. We're sending those good wishes, that those wishes of kindness and friendliness out to all beings above, below, in front of us, behind us. Now just be with your breath. Being mindful. Being mindful of everything coming into you through your sense doors. Mindful of your thoughts. Mindful of, we can smell the aroma of food cooking We can hear traffic noise outside. You can be aware of the taste in your mouth. And be aware of contact So feel how your body feels against the cushion or the chair. How how do your clothes feel on your body? How does the air feel as it touches your skin?
And even inside your closed eyelids, you probably can see some light. So even with our eyes closed, we have a sense of visual images, maybe color or streaks of light. Be aware of your thoughts, but don't feed them with your attention. Let your thoughts just come and go. The same way we're doing with all of the other sensations. Just be aware of them arising, and when we don't get caught up in a story about it, they just go away on their own and replaced with another. Just keep coming back to the breath. This is how we learn to work with our minds. Just be aware of how easy it is to get distracted, to start creating stories in our mind, thinking about things we need to do later. And that's normal. That's how what we're doing most of the time. Getting caught up in our thoughts. Changing direction. So just be aware of that when you're practicing. You can just be aware of that. And when you can notice it, come back to your breath. And just keep relaxing your body. If you feel tension, imagine the spot where you feel the tension and breathe into it. And then as you exhale, just release the tension, the tightness.
if you need to change your posture because you're uncomfortable, watch it for a few seconds and try to notice what the discomfort is. But then it's okay to move and change your posture because it's very important that you're able to relax. And then just come back to your breath. Just be attentive to what's going on in your body. May all beings 
be well, be happy, and be peaceful. Thank you. Let's do the chanting. If you're new, there should be a chanting book right on your cushion or one near you. Namo tase bhagavato adehato Sama Sambuddhase Namo Tase Bhagavato Adehato Sama Sambuddhase Namo Tase Bhagavato Adehato Sama Sambuddhase Bhutang Saranang Gachami Tamang Saranang Gachami Sangang Saranang Gachami Dutiampi Bhutang Sarenang gachami Dutiampi damang Sarenang gachami Dutiampi sangang Sarenang gachami Tatiampi budang Sarenang Gachami Tatiampi Dharanang Gachami Tatiampi Sangang Sarenang Gachami Anicca Vata Sanghara Upade vaya domino Upajitwa nirujanti Te sang upasamosuko Sape sata avera hontu Sape Sata Paja Hontu Sape Sata Aniga Hontu Sape Sata Sutiatanam Pariharantu Mano pupange madama Mano seta mano maya 
manasache padute na vasati va karoti va tato nang dukkha manweti Mano pupanga madama, mano seta, mano maya, manasache pasanena, vasati wakarotiwa, tato nang sukha. Man weti chaya we anapaini. Mind is the forerunner of all states. Mind is chief. Mind made are they. If with a corrupted mind one should either speak or act, suffering follows caused by that, as does the wheel follow the ox's hoof. Mind is the forerunner of all states. Mind made are they. If with a clear and confident mind one should either speak or act, happiness follows caused by that as one shadow that never leaves. We believe in generosity towards others. We believe the skillful, noble path is marked by generosity. We believe generosity has many levels. Think generously, speak generously, act generously. We believe generosity is the heart of our spiritual practice, and this practice allows us to become more open, accepting, and forgiving. We believe extending generosity to ourselves and others is a direct way of healing division, bringing joy, and nurturing the spiritual community for years to come. May I become, at all times, both now and forever, a protector for those without protection, a guide for those who have lost the way, with an ocean to cross, a sanctuary for those in danger, a lamp for those without light, a place of refuge for those who lack shelter, and a servant to all in need. By means of this meritorious deed, may I never join with the unwise, only the wise, until the time I attain Nibbana. Thank you. Um, I'm Wimala. I think uh, most most of you probably know me, or you may have heard about me, which is not necessarily a good thing. <laughs> so uh, I used to be a nun here. I, I see people I know really well. Um, and about a year and a half ago, I disrobed. I made the decision to become a layperson again. Was uh, feeling too much like a, a lay person not living in a, a monastery, so it seemed like a wiser choice for me. And it doesn't, 
it doesn't change anything about the way I live, but it just feels cleaner. Um, what I wanted to talk about today is a subject that I am no expert on, but uh, it's a subject that I'm, uh, there's a, we have a book group online, and we're reading a book that's on the book list for people taking the precepts. And um, a lot of us had never read it, and a lot of long-term practitioners, but it's from a Zen teacher. And so it's, it's been very, uh, it's beautiful writing, but it can be very challenging when you come across a phrase that's very Zen, and we don't hear it in our Theravadan tradition. So we can, we, can, we can spend lots of time, we have spent lots of time in that book, which is a short, easy-to-read book. But then when we hear expressions that are, that are not familiar to us, and it seems like most of us have more, not in this group, but in, in the book group, we don't have a lot of experience in terms of the entire group in Zen, but maybe people have uh, studied Mahayana or Tibetan Buddhism before. That seems more familiar. But So the Zen phrases, I can't even think of any now, but they, they have me always kind of chasing around to kind of find out what, how they fit in with our Theravadan uh, basics. And this is, this is one that hasn't been hit in that book very much. Uh, but it's about the self, and the self, the, the self, which is anatta, is these, one of the three conditions of all uh, living be of all beings, is impermanence of all conditioned things, impermanence, uh, no self, and that suffering exists. There is suffering. That suffering is a condition of being a an impermanent being. And the concept of uh, no self, anatta, is one that I think for me it was it's easy to grasp when I read about it and it's easy to understand it in certain ways. So in one way the Buddha was teaching that there was no self and he meant uh, in, in, in the Buddha's time, 26 uh, 2,600 years ago, there was a lot of belief in a, in a soul, as there is in the Christian religion and uh, East, uh, Western religions. And the Buddha was saying, there is no permanent, unchanging self. So the, the tradition of a soul that never changes and never uh, you know, we can look at our bodies and see how our body ages and changes. But for a lot of people, the concept of a self means this personality, this body is existing through time. And uh, the Buddha was saying, no, this body is this body is changing all the time. This body isn't even this, you know, this is a body. This is how we think of this as a body, this is a table, this is a, a bowl. But the things, even, even in this bowl that's so dense and so solid, you know, molecules are moving, everything down to, the, down to the finest level, there's motion, there's moving. 
um, when we think about, even in meditation, if you're meditating on feelings, pleasant, unpleasant, neutral, those are the things pulling us. Uh, it's, I imagine little molecules are going. that we're, we, we are always drawn toward things that are pleasurable. Uh, sensual pleasures like a good meal or, uh, you know, like we're, most of us are probably averse to the sound. And you hear a lot of that in the springtime, right? So what we're doing on that uh, atomic level is we're backing away from it. We're, you know, we're avert. It's it's aversion. So that's moving. Those are even that. And then if someone loves the smell of the food cooking downstairs, we'll be drawn to that. And so we're constantly just in that kind of motion. Everything, our emotions change, we get upset, so we might back away or we might be aggressive. But everything is moving, nothing is still. And of course, physicists would say the same thing. So uh, the Buddha was talking about that, that we are always changing, that this no self is there's nothing for us to cling to. And so there's nothing to hold on to because we we change with everything that we learn we change we're all composed of things from our parents and our environment and our uh, the food we've eaten and what kind of exercise we do but that's constantly in motion so uh, it's not it's not that we're not real but and it's not that we don't we have to call we have to use I and me and mine, but the Buddha said nothing is I, me, or mine. And so, what I wanted to do was just share with you some of the some of the things that I was uh, was looking at. And I had and I started out with uh, I was looking at a few different books, and one is by a, a physicist who is saying neurosciences and physicists have known these things all along. But neuroscientists are, are understanding no self much better. And, it, and it's a big influence even in psychotherapy and things. But I was looking, I found some good, good, good quotes. And there's a huge difference in Western way of looking at self and Eastern way. So in the East, most of the Eastern religions, not all, have the concept of no, no self because it's, this is a constantly changing, changing, everything's in motion. So the first quote I have is by Lasu, stop thinking and end your problems. That's, that's, not a West, that's not a Western kind of quote, right? And Descartes, said, I think, therefore I am. Uh, and a Zen saying is, no thought, no problem. So we're bouncing back and forth. But this is a, one I like by Houston Smith, who, who's written a lot about uh, religions throughout the, the planet. The brain breathes mind like the lungs breathe air. I just like that quote. I don't know what it Really, I don't understand it well enough to know if it relates to the self. <laughs> and there is a Taoist philosopher and author, I think I've got his name right, Wei Wa Wei, 
And he said, why are you unhappy? Why? Because 99.9% of everything you think and of everything you do is for yourself. And there isn't one. (laughs) I love that one. (laughs) And you know the advice the advice you'll be offered if you're, if you're unhappy or if you're sad is to go and help someone else. And uh, that's exactly what that's about, right? It's, and I'm, I'm reading a book called No Self, No Problem, and it's by, uh, it's by someone who's a neuroscientist. But she, she describes... Um, She describes the way Westerners, I think, think about it often. The brain-powered individual, the self, I, ego, mind, me. Now, that's how we relate to the self. It's, it's, from a Western point of view, and from an Eastern point of view, it's very different. So I think if you're struggling with the concept of no self in Buddhism, it's very it's, there's a good reason for it. You know, it's not the way, our, we, it's not our Western way of thinking. I'm going to uh, talk a little bit about this, and then I'm going to uh, read a, a short sutra that I think is, has all of this in it. This, so scientists have, thought, have been trying to work on this issue for a long time. And they're getting closer and closer to what neuroscience and, you know, physicists and Eastern religions have kind of figured out a long, long time ago. Um, scientists have gone through stages like the, the self, and the Buddha talks about this too, the self, the, the, the mind creates a self, or a self creates a self. And I'll just, this gets kind of crazy, so I want to read this to you. Um, This is how we often think. The self is the pilot. The self is in charge. We we believe that, right? We're, We're in control of our body. We're in charge of our body. We're in charge of our thoughts. Well, once you start to meditate, you find out really fast you're not in charge of your thoughts, right? That's the first thing you learn. Wow, look at what my mind's doing all the time. And so right away you can check off, no, not in control of thoughts. We're, we're learning to try to tame our thoughts, to work with them, but we never say you'll get total control of your thoughts. So, but we think the self is in charge. It's the pilot of our ship. We think it... Uh, that the self is also the experiencer and that the self also controls the physical body, like my body. And we, and we know that. We know genetics. Uh, we know so many things. We're not in control of our bodies. How many, who's had an operation in the last year? I'm sure it was, I did, and it, it was a big surprise, you know. And then once, once that happened, then I realized how really not in control of my body I am. But uh, the self doesn't perceive itself as changing or ending or being influenced by anything. When we have that concept of self, 
we don't we don't even perceive change. We we may look in a mirror and see and see change, but often we don't think that that we've changed anywhere any way other than that than our than how we're aging. So in, and that's more traditional Western thinking. So in Eastern schools of thought, not all Asian religions have the same concept, but the idea of me is a fiction, an anatta, and this is the Buddha talks about this a lot in the suttas. Anatta is one of the main tenets of Buddhism, and so it's, I think as Westerners we're, we struggle with kind of really embracing it, but it's one of the major teachings of the Buddha, uh, and it was being taught by others as well. Here's the concept of self. It is a construct of the mind rather than a self with any independent existence separate from thought. So without thought, there's no self. The self does not exist without thought. And uh, the, the author who's, who is a neuroscientist says that Contemporary neuroscience and psychology are just now catching up. And so that's good. If you're the kind of person that needs to have proof about things, that's really good. But uh, if, you, if you want to experience the no-self without having to learn all about neuroscience, you can do that as well. You can investigate. There are a lot... There's, um, there are a lot of there's a lot of material now where you can the book I found uh, no no self no problem has actually has a workbook and so it's that's probably using some of the, a lot of the neuroscience but you know you can explore it through your meditation that's something you can meditate about is experiencing no no self. There's no self, but there is a very strong idea of self. Like nobody can take that idea of it away from us. And and neurosciences have determined the part of the brain responsible for that. So so we're we're fighting our biology and, and our language and our culture and the world by by uh, this recognizing the no self and and seeing seeing the freedom that that can give us how the liberation that gives us to just be able to let go of that this illusory sense of self is the primary cause of mental suffering and it blocks access to the thread of universal consciousness there's consciousness all outside of us that we could tap into. You know, it's that if we think it's all about us, we're missing out on a lot. Um, Let me, I'm going to read a few things from the Anguttara Nikaya. These are the numbered discourses. It is impossible, this is the Buddha speaking, it is impossible It cannot happen for a person accomplished in view, we think of right view, to take anything as self. 
but then he says, but an ordinary person can. So if, you, if you're living the Eightfold Path, right view is right, right there, and that's accepting the Four Noble Truths, that's part of the right view. And he says, if you're, if you're, if you're that student, it's impossible, it cannot happen for a person accomplished in view to take anything as self. And then this, I have two translations of this, from, also from the Anguttara Nikaya, uh, Bhante uh, Ajahn Dhanasaro, who's a, an, an American who's a Thai monk. This is Anguttara 1093. Whatever is stress, and he uses the word all the time, he, he substitutes stress for dukkha. So we usually call dukkha suffering, but stress is another word for it. So dukkha is any kind of discomfort we feel mentally or physically. Um, whatever is stress is not me, is not what I am, is not myself. Ajahn Sujato, who's an Australian uh, Theravadan monk, says, and I've truly seen clearly with right wisdom that what's suffering is not mine. I am not this. It's not myself. And I like his translation just because it elucidate, elucidates a little bit better. Um, so when we, when we think about like our, the qualities that are painful for us to experience that we think like, I'm a bad person, or I'm an unhappy person. We're labeling ourselves, but that's, that's going back to the self again. So that's not, uh, I, I use the phrase, not me, not, not who I am, not myself, or uh, not me, not mine, just all the time just to, to remind, remind myself of that. And I've heard so many people, especially younger people, really hate themselves because they say, well, I, I'm lazy, or I dropped out of school, or you know, I have a problem with drugs, and they just punish themselves because they're saying, this is mine, this is who I am, this is myself. And they're not allowing themselves any, any realization of what we're really doing is changing all the time. So there's always room there's always time to learn to grow to change and if we it's that identification like i'm a bad person because i do this that uh i think it destroys people because it's me it's how i am it's how i've always been or my family's always been angry so i'm i've always been angry so and they will people will say i can't this is not something i can work with you just got to live with me. I'm angry because that's the way I am. And even if they own it kind of with a pride like that, it's still, it's not true. It may, you know, there's the, also the expression that we talk about, something can be real but not true. And that's, that's a really good one to ponder. Oh. Here are some things that we can 
observe in meditation. So when you're sitting and feeling really bored when you're trying to practice and letting your practice time get longer and longer, it, you don't just have to be like just, oh, how many minutes is left to go? You know, here's some things to observe. This is also from Angutra Nikaya. Meditate observing impermanence in considerations about thought. Meditate observing suffering. Meditate observing not-self. Meditate observing ending, vanishing, fading away, cessation, letting go. So we can, you can sit when you're meditating and meditating on not-self and just letting it, letting something other, our thinking mind can't solve a problem made by the thinking mind. If you're thinking from the same part of your brain, or if you're thinking uh, from the wrong level, you know, your thinking mind isn't going to solve a problem that that same thinking mind created. So when you're meditating, you can feel that you're, oh, you're not caught up in those thoughts. You can, you can really start observing a quality like no self and these others that he mentions they're really they're really good things to remember impermanence uh, and just let let those things go below your normal thinking mind and sometimes that really can help clarify things so i want to be okay i'm gonna have to hurry up when a student uh, this is, I'm, I'm going to read uh, uh, this one thing and then I'm going to read this short sutta. Uh, if a student reflects unwisely on things that should not be reflected on, one of, the, one of six false views will arise. So there are lots of things the Buddha said. Don't even think about certain things because it just encourages you to either become uh, desire it or angry about it. So he, he gives topics like don't think about things that you know will kind of get you rattled up. It's, think about things that are going to be uh, help you help you build the, the person, the, the characteristics that you want. Don't, don't let your mind kind of stew around in uh, things that are dangerous. But, it, but, but this was in, the, in his conclusion about the, uh, another sutta, about all the ways to, all the things you can reflect on that kind of beat you down and break, break down your, uh, your character. That's talking about self, though. But these are... These, these, one of these six false views will arise, and they're all about the self. One, I have a self. This view arises and as true and real. I have no self. This view arises in me so true and real. The third one, by self I perceive self. By self, number four, by self, I perceive non-self. 
five, by non-self, I perceive self. And the last one is, or a wrong view arises like this. This is myself which speaks and feels, which experiences the fruits of good and bad actions now, here and now there. This self is permanent, stable, everlasting, unchanging, remaining the same forever and ever. So uh, this is what the Buddha always called being enmeshed with views. He called it a jungle of, of views or a fetter of views. And so those are six different problems someone can get in. And this, this is why the, the Buddha always said, don't, uh, don't get caught up in viewpoints. So just thinking about the self, you've got all these six different wrong views. So even thinking, even thinking, okay, we've been talking about no self, so what's wrong with thinking, I have no self? This view arises in me and is real. The Buddha is saying, we can't, these are things that we have to just experience for ourselves and understand. We can't use our mind to, like, oh, I, I agree with everything the Buddha said, so I have no self. This is a, this is a real view. This has arisen in me. And so that's, even that is a viewpoint that can get us in trouble. So these are, you know, you, we talk a lot about the, uh, the unanswerable questions. There are six of them, and this is one of them. Because then you're holding, if you say there is absolutely no self, we, because we don't really know, right, what, what that self is. We don't know what we're talking about because what do we know a self is for sure? So uh, if we have either extreme of the of this, we're 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 going too far. We're going uh, in the direction of being a, a someone who has no beliefs, like an atheist, like there's nothing nothing to believe, or it's or we're going too far being. Uh, grabbing onto a view that, that we can't really understand at this point in our development. So uh, we can just understand it, study it, but don't get attached to having a strong viewpoint about it, which I was a little surprised to, to read some of that. I thought, well, he's saying there's no self. But, okay, I will read just a little bit of this sutta it's called a warrior, and it's in the Anguttara Nikaya. And it's a, it, um, he's talking about, uh, to his students, a war, he, I'm going to read, just try to highlight it, because I'm using up time. A warrior with three factors is worthy of a king, fit to serve a king, and is reckoned as a factor of kingship. What three? And this is full of like inappropriate pronouns, but I'm going to use them. Just he's a long-distance shooter. That's with an arrow, of course. A marksman, one who shatters large objects. Those are three things to be a good warrior 2,500 years ago. A warrior with these three fact factors is worthy of a king and fit to serve a king, and is reckoned as a factor to be a king. In the same way, a, a student. 
a mendicant with three factors is worthy of offerings dedicated to the gods, worthy of hospitality, worthy of a religious donation, worthy of veneration with joined palms, and is the supreme field of merit for the world. What three? And he says again, a long-distance shooter, a marksman, and one who shatters large objects. So then he begins to talk and compares these, uh, these qualities to the five aggregates. So the five aggregates comes up in any discussion of, the, of no self. So the aggregates are the things we're made up of. Physical, material form, our uh, feelings, which the Buddha only describes as pleasant, unpleasant, and neutral. Those are the phys- feelings in our body. They're not emotions in Buddhism. So the material form, feelings, uh, perceptions, and this is just what we're seeing, what we're actually thinking we're seeing in front of us. Uh, mental formations or act, uh, volitional activities, things we do or our mental thoughts. And the fifth one is consciousness. So these are the things that we're made up of, that every uh, animals are made up of. And these five forms, don't none of them, and he goes on to explain, are none of these five, I remember Bhante Sujata used to always say, aggregates, uh, they're like ba- like if you have a bag of rice and a bag of beans and a bag of a different kind of bean. They're just like big sacks of stuff, and those are the aggregates. But there's no self in any of them. So if what we, if, if what we are made up of has no self, then, then the conclusion is, well, where is the self? Sutta says it better, but he compares it to these qualities of what it takes to be. Uh, and then I'll just read the ending. That, so first, he's, and he says when he talks about all these qualities, again, he, there's a quote. So the, the good, the good uh, mendicant, this is, will understand, this is not mine, I am not this, this is not myself. They truly see any kind of consciousness at all, past, future, or present, internal or external, coarse or fine, far or near, all consciousness with right understanding. This is not mine, I am not this, this is not myself. That's how a mendicant or a monk or a student, not just a, a ordained monk, that's how a mendicant is a long-distance shooter. And how is, now he's finished with the five aggregates, and how is a mendicant a marksman? It's when a mendicant truly understands this is suffering, and we're talking about the Four Noble Truths now, this is suffering, this is the origin of suffering, this is the cessation of suffering, this is the practice that leads to the cessation of suffering. That's how a mendicant is a marksman. And how does a mendicant shatter large objects? It's when a mendicant shatters the great mass of ignorance. That's how a mendicant shatters large objects. 
So anyone with these three qualities is worthy of offerings dedicated to the gods, worthy of hospitality, worthy of donation, worthy of veneration with joined palms, and is a supreme field of merit for the world. So these aggregates, which are called all forms of clinging, don't contain a self. And then with that understanding, then the Four Noble Truths even becomes more, uh, more visible. It's something we go another level deeper with our understanding of it. So I didn't explain to you like how to how to how to create how to well, we're not supposed to create a self, right? How to how to and we're not creating a not self because that's we're talking about what what there is, you know, what what we can what we how do we think about it? Well, when you meditate, just let those uh, let what you think about no self. Just let it kind of stew, just stew with it. See if it makes sense to you. Um, it, people who have been studying the Buddhist teachings for a long time have trouble with it. It's not like, it's because you, you think you've got the concept down and okay, I'm with that, I'm with the program. And then you go, but wait a minute. <laughs> and then there's something, uh, something that jumps up at you and causes doubt, which you know, the, of the five hindrances, that doubt is there. But when you do have doubt about something like no self, just let it, you don't need to get hung up on it and stop there if you're uncomfortable with it. Because you just, you just want to let it be there. Sometimes meditate about it or read, read things about it. Uh, read some of, the, some of what the Buddhist taught about it, what he said about it, and what he, the, quote that comes up all the time is not me, not mine, not who I am. And you can look at stuff and disengage from it. That quote really helps disengage from situations you probably shouldn't be, be in or conversations that you don't, or say maybe there's some issue going on, a family issue where people are arguing. And if you can think not me, not mine, not who I am or not myself, it can really help you step back from it. Because it's that self that wants to just jump in and fix everything and, uh, you know, do all that stuff. So thank you. Thank you for your patience.